0: And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer.
1: Hello everybody, Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. I'm the founder of the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program, creator of the Dream Business Academy, founder of No Hassle Newsletters, and the host of this podcast, Dream Business Radio, now in its ninth year. Welcome to another fantastic live edition of Dream Business Radio with my special guest, John Livesey. You know, it just happens when you do things live. Sometimes you get the signals crossed and not, <laughs> you know, but hey, we're here. John, good to see you, man. How you doing? Great
2: to see you, Jim.
1: Oh, my goodness. This episode, but the uh, two lives ago, we couldn't hear each other, so my guest and I were on camera with our phones. We don't have that problem. But
0: Thank goodness.
1: Yeah, we're going to share some good value today. Anyway, hey, folks, this episode of Dream Business Radio is brought to you by the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. If you're an entrepreneur or small business owner who's tired of slow to no growth in your business, if you're feeling overwhelmed, unfocused, And most importantly, if you're looking for multiple streams of revenue in your business, then the Dream Business Mastermind is for you, led by yours truly, Captain Jim Palmer. You can learn more at dreambizcoaching.com, dreambizcoaching.com. Let's get right into it. John Livesey, also known as the Pitch Whisperer. How cool is that? The Pitch Whisperer is a sales keynote speaker, and he knows companies, and he shows companies and their sales teams, how to turn mundane case studies into compelling case stories Mm. so they win more business. From John's award-winning career at Condé Nast, he shares the lessons he learned that turn sales teams into revenue rock stars. Another great word. His (laughs) TEDx talk, John, you're a great marketer, man. His TEDx talk, be the lifeguard of your own life, has over a million views. Dang, that's awesome. Clients love working with John because of his ongoing support after his talk, which includes implementing the storytelling skills from his best-selling book, Better Selling Through Storytelling. Anyway, John has a brand new book, The Sale is in the Tale. And um, John, I'm real excited to talk with you today.
2: Thanks. I am so passionate about storytelling, and I love to show other people how they can become black belts in it.
1: Well, you know, sto- you, you always hear this thing, oh, don't sell, tell, and sto- storytelling, is. it's kind of a, I don't know if it's new or in vogue or whatever, but you mm-hmm. see more and more people talking about it. You've been doing it for a long time, though. Are people just catching on? Or are they following your lead?
2: Well, it's funny, Jim. You know, several years ago, when I would be hired as a sales keynote speaker, I would get asked, connect the dots for us. How does helping our team become better storytellers result in sales? And now they're actively searching it on a Google search. We need storytelling. They have seen the light and know they need it. And they need some help crafting those stories because the bottom line is whoever tells the best story is the one that gets the sale.
1: So uh, before we dive into there, I, I mean, you're a very good marketer and, and you have some great brands there. Where did the pitch whisperer come from?
2: <laughs> That's a fun story.
1: <laughs> okay. I was
2: telling a uh, reporter at Inc. Magazine about the time anthem insurance had hired me and it was between me and another speaker and i had said to them what if i stayed past my keynote since you told me you're going to have an improvisation session and i could whisper in people's ear something from my talk if they got stuck during the improvisation handling objections they loved that idea it went so well that people said to me oh my gosh could you be in my ear all the time when i'm in the field you're like the pitch whisperer, and Ink Magazine said, "Oh my God, we love that. We're gonna call you that." And then I've now trademarked
1: it. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, um, way way back in my early days as the newsletter guru, people, were, how'd you come up with that? Well, a, a client, I did it. I did their first newsletter, and I always tell people it's going to take two, three, four issues to get going. Your first issue is not like a sales generating tool; it's a relationship tool. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he got like two new clients. He goes, "Hey Palmer, you're a." I won't say exactly what he said, but you're a friggin' newsletter guru. And I'm like, Ooh, I like that. <laughs> it's That's funny right. how people hear stuff like that. Um, so, you know, in sales, we always hear about like the elevator pitch. Mm. Is that, is that dead? I mean, does everybody jump right to storytelling?
2: Oh gosh, Jim, if the elevator pitch is not dead, can we please kill it right now together? you and Nobody wants to be bored. And the problem is when you say to somebody at a cocktail party or even in an elevator ride, what do you do? They go, oh, this is my invitation for a 10 minute monologue. And they go on and on and bore you and confuse you. So I say, let's kill the elevator pitch and turn it into an elevator story with the intent to intrigue people enough to say, wow, Jim, that's interesting. Tell me more.
1: And, you know, that that's the essence of copywriting, is it? I mean, copywriting, sales letters, or conversation in print, mm-hmm. the whole idea of the headline is to get to read the subheadline to get right. to read the first, right? So that's really what storytelling is, correct?
2: It is, and especially in an elevator story. So I've created five easy steps that people can use as a template, because the mistake most people make is saying, I'm a coach, I'm a speaker, I'm a lawyer, I'm a financial advisor, blah, blah, blah. And people go, you all sound the same. I can't remember anything about that and I call it drowning in the sea of sameness. But if you tell a little elevator story, you'll intrigue people. So the first step is literally just the phrase, you know how, because that's how we have conversations with our friends. You know how this winter just seems like it's never gonna end. So you say, you know how, and then the second step is who you help. The better you describe that person hmm. or your ideal client, the more people can start to think of somebody they know if they're not it. And then the third step is, what are they struggling with? What's their problem? Now, you notice nowhere in there that we get into what you do yet. That's right. the fourth step, your solution. And then the fifth step is what's life like after they've worked with you? So I can give you a quick example if you want. But
0: that I awareness
2: love is, well, you know how so many salespeople in healthcare and tech sales are struggling not to be seen as a commodity. And they come in second place. But unfortunately, in the business world, there's no medal for second place. I'm known as the pitch whisperer, and I show them how to tell stories that get them first place almost every time. And after working with me and hearing me speak, they become revenue rock stars.
1: Revenue rock stars, I like that. So um, I-, I was preparing for the interview. There's something called the 555 method, right? Yes. Is that something, Is that talk a little bit about that.
2: That is a new tool that I wish I had five years ago to help you become more resilient. So we know life's going to knock us down. We're going to get frustrated, uh, disappointed, or rejected. How fast we get back up, Jim, is the secret to everything. So when you get somebody cut you off in traffic, you have a choice. You can get really mad or you can say, is this going to bother me in five minutes? No. Um, How about five hours from now? Oh, for God, no. Five days from now? For sure not. And then as problems get more intense, the rejection, whatever it is, just 555 it. Zoom out as the movie director of your own life and ask yourself, will this matter five days from now? Only if I keep talking about it and playing it over in my head. Now, if something tragic happens, loss of a family member, like for example, when my father died several years ago, I was really <clears throat> sad. I wish I'd had this tool then. If I, you could zoom out again, will this matter five weeks from now, five months from now, five years from now?
1: Mm-hmm. I'd
2: say to my younger self, you're going to still miss him five years from now, but I promise you, you will not be this sad as you are today five years from now.
1: Wow, so that's really in interesting.
2: Personal and business life. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You know, John, when um, I, I, you've interviewed me on your podcast, so, you know So, part of my story is I lost my job when I was 41. And um, I thought I'd land a job quickly. I was out of work for almost a year and a half before I then mm-hmm. started my first business. And man, I, I mean, it crushed my confidence, my self-esteem. Yep. And somebody told me, and I think it was very similar to the 555, they said, do you think you'll be working in a year? I said, (laughs) well, I would hope, you know what I mean? And then they backed up like six months. And what about three months? Well, I think so. You know, so you get to a point where you accept that you are going to be working and then you shorten the thing. So it's very similar to that.
2: Yeah. In fact, you and I had a similar experience. That's what my whole TEDx is about. Be the lifeguard of your own life. Because unlike in a hurricane, when somebody comes and rescues you, if you don't evacuate, when life throws you these things, no, you have to be your own lifeguard, and this five-five-five tool is a great, easy way to remember how to do it. And I've had people email me and text me, "Oh, something frustrating happened," or "I got a no." I five-five-five it, and I've moved on. Thank you so much. I would normally be thinking about this for days after.
1: That's awesome, John. You know, when we're talking about a, a like a good sales pitch, is that is a sales pitch what you refer to as a whole sales presentation when you're meeting with a prospective customer or is it like the initial conversation to then get the appointment? Like what do you, what is a sales pitch?
2: I think a sales pitch is when you've moved down the funnel a little bit. You've maybe told an elevator story where someone's intrigued and they want to invite you in to have a longer conversation. You've done some needs analysis hopefully. And then you're in this situation. My specialty is helping clients when they're in front of a potential buyer and it's between them and two or maybe three other finalists. And they have an hour to convince them why they should be, in my case, the speaker or the architecture firm or the law firm or the rep that sells the tech product. And that sales presentation needs to turn it from a boring case study that's been around for decades, even the word study sounds boring, into a yeah. case story because who, again, tells the best story, gets the sale. For that meeting after the meeting, Jim, and this is the secret that most people don't think about. If you put your empathy hat on and think about the buyer, and they're hearing three pitches, and they then they have a second meeting. Well, what do you think? We heard three pitches. And nine times out of ten, they're going to say, well, they all kind of sound the same. I guess we should go with the cheapest. That's the kiss of death. Right. But if you've told a story that tugs at their heartstrings, they are willing to open the purse strings.
1: You know, you also write about something called the friend zone at work. How do you well, know if you're stuck in the friend zone? And, and actually, what does it mean first?
2: Well, most of us, probably not you because you're handsome and suave and all that stuff. But most <laughs> of us in our younger years, maybe have, we're in the friend zone at dating, right? You're like, oh, I can't get out of here. They just see me as Let's a friend, just be friends. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, kiss it down. Uh, now, the friend zone at work looks like this. Oh, I'm interested in what you have to say there, Jim. Send me some information. Well, you get all excited. You start telling your boss, I think I got a sale. They're interested. I'm just waiting for them to look at. And then it's crickets, just like in the yep. dating world. You ghosted. You're like, what happened? I'm st-. Or you're in a corporate job and they go, we didn't promote you. We've hired somebody from the outside. We'd love you to train your new boss. Oh, you're in the friend zone at work, buddy or girl, because you have the skills if you're training your new boss, but they didn't give the promotion to you so the way out of the friend zone at work is to tell a story that intrigues them to want to know more and then from there you move up to the irresistible part of life where they can't stop thinking about you and it's no longer oh nice to have this we need this
1: now Mm. so you're saying you don't don't just identify and and come honest and clean with yourself to know where you are but you're saying you can actually change that you can get out of the friend zone
2: exactly so for example Uh, when I was calling on speedo, when I was selling advertising for a fashion magazine in LA and I said, would you consider advertising this new sportswear in my fashion magazine? And they said, no, we're going to a fitness magazine. That was the, you know, thanks for coming in. No. Uh, and I said two words, what if, when you say, what if you start tapping into the imagination, white brain storytelling, I said, well, what if we treated the sportswear like it was high fashion? And we could have a fashion show around a hotel pool like it was a fashion show with the sportswear. And you could invite Michael Phelps since he's on your payroll for the Olympics. And suddenly they were intrigued. I was no longer in the friend zone. And then eventually they asked some questions about what that would look like. And I got the sale. And personally, Jim, between you and me, as a former lifeguard, the biggest thrill was meeting Michael Phelps and what he told me about life. Wow. Very
1: cool. Um... You know, in the last couple of days, I've interviewed um, speakers and uh, a copywriter and some different people. And I all think it all starts with the desire to do it, overcoming whatever fears, and then learning it and becoming good at it. How do you you become a good storyteller? Is it the Mm. same thing? You just practice it?
2: Well, that's certainly one of the things. But the Mm -hmm. good news about storytelling is unlike meaning to be a famous opera singer or an incredible athlete, you don't have to have this innate talent. You can learn it. And if you already think you're good at storytelling... There's ways to improve it where you tell a story that someone sees themselves in the story. That's really the distinguishing between, it's an okay story, but I'm not going to remember it. But if you told me a story about something that I see myself in and feel, then you're into it. So there's four steps that anybody can learn as a little checklist of, oh, I need to paint a picture here. Pull people in with some details so they know, did this happen last week, last month? Who's the story about? How old are they? What's their name? And then you describe the problem in such detail that people start to feel it. And then your solution comes in. And then the secret is the resolution. What Mm. is life like after you've provided a solution? Most people don't have that. If you imagine the Wizard of Oz ending when Dorothy got in the balloon to go back to Kansas, the end. (laughs) No, there's this amazing scene where she's in bed going, oh, there's no place like home and you were there and you were there. That's what uh, makes a great story. The resolution that most people don't know to put in or how to put it in.
1: And so in in the sales analogy, the resolution is the result that they're looking for. Is that fair?
2: And what is life like after? Let me give you an example. Okay. A medical tech sales company was selling a 4K resolution monitor, and the rep before was just going in telling him about pixels and details. Now they tell this story. Imagine how happy Dr. Peterson was at a rural hospital in Minnesota, not usually known for cutting-edge technology, but decided to test our 4K monitor with me in the room as the rep in case something went wrong, and they were doing a surgery on a person who was overweight, which increased the risk, and because of that, the doctor hit a bleeder. There was a gasp in the operating room. It was a sea of red to the naked eye, but the doctor was calmly looked up at the monitor and it gave such subtle color differences between oxygenated blood and non-oxygenated blood that allowed him to find the source of the bleeder fast and save that patient's life. And then the doctor turns to the rep and says, you know, we don't always need a monitor like this, but boy, when we need one, we need one.
1: Yes. (laughs) So that
2: little phrase, that dialogue that I said in present tense, as if you're eavesdropping is the resolution to that story that makes, when that rep tells that story to another doctor, that doctor sees himself in that story and says, Ooh, I do not want to be caught without all the tools I might need to save a patient's life. If something like that happens.
1: Very cool. You know, in marketing, it's always, um, advantageous to have like a, um, the evildoer, the fall guy, etc. So if you're a CPA, for example, the, the you know the the IRS might be the boogeyman, so to speak. Mm. In in storytelling, I think it's again, correct me if I'm wrong, it's probably advantageous to have a hero, right? There's gotta be mm. the hero in the story.
2: Correct. But Jim, here's the mistake most people make. Oh, I'm gonna tell a story. I'm gonna be the hero. Don't do it. Your client is the hero. That example oh. I gave. Yes. The doctor with the 4K monitor, the doctor's the hero.
1: Not the equipment, right? Not
2: the equipment, the equipment is like the Sherpa or the tool the doctor used to become the hero. Mm. And so that is the huge differentiation because in order for another doctor to see themselves in that story, that doctor has to feel like they wanna be that doctor. They wanna be the hero to the patient.
1: So cool. How do, So what are some of the techniques you use or strategies to make stories memorable, not Mm. just impactful when you're hearing them, but so you can actually go tell somebody a day later or a week later.
2: Well, a good story has to be three things. It has to be clear, because the minute you confuse people with a bunch of acronyms or whatever, go on a tangent, they forget about it. It also has to be concise. And we've talked about why. So it's memorable for that meeting after the meeting. If it's too long, they're not gonna be able to remember it. And then it needs to be compelling. So we're tugging at heartstrings with emotional words like struggle. There was a loud gasp. There's a little bit of drama in that story. That's what makes that story memorable. You're visioning a sea of red. What would I do? Even if I'm not a trained doctor, I would be freaking out. And that doctor calmly looked at the monitor. That's what makes that so memorable.
1: Okay. So, um, you're so you have a best-selling book better selling through storytelling right yes that book john and i'm sorry i didn't read it yet but does that book walk you through how to construct a story like what's the some if someone gets the book what what's the big lesson there
2: well that book is what i use to turn uh the concepts of storytelling case stories into my online course about revenue rockstar mastery and the sale is in the tale is a fable about somebody going on that journey. And so you, it's a story about storytelling, and at the back of The Sale is in the Tale are the actual templates to follow to learn how to become a better storyteller.
1: Hmm. And so you wrote, now, is your book out now? The Sale yes. is in the Tale. That's your next book, right?
2: It, that's out now. It came out in February. Uh, so you can get it on Audible with me narrating it or Kindle or the actual paperback, however you prefer.
1: And that also is a business fable. Yes. Exactly. Which. Which, by the way, a fable is a story, right? I mean, that's kind of like the the Go-Giver series. Exactly. You know, things like that. But there's never Um, been a fable
2: about, a business fable about a salesperson. So usually it's about leadership or positivity. So this is the first business fable through the lens of what it's like to be in sales at a particular company. It's set in medical tech sales. And it takes place here in Austin where I live. So there's actual real-life places in the fable uh, that will make the story more realistic.
1: Very cool. I know uh, one of the things you talk about in that book is how to double your closing ratio. Can you share for a couple of minutes on that?
2: Yes. Literally, it's the difference between saying we sell a 4K monitor and it's got all these pixels and this is all the bells and whistles that you would need to make your surgeries easier to telling that case story that I tell. Just doing that will start to double your sales because you're telling stories that can be repeated for the second meeting. And then also when you learn how to get rapport going up front by telling your own personal story of origin. The reason I got into medical sales was my mom was a nurse. I was inspired by her. And then you ask the people you're calling on, what inspired you to get into healthcare? That also is a big game changer. And then finally, the company story, even if it's just a one-person company, that company story should be about your values, your culture, some kind of uh, giving back that you do, empathy and action that makes people feel like, ooh, that's the kind of company I want to do business with. When you have all those th- stories in conjunction, the sales closing ratios tend to double because people are buying emotionally, backing it up with logic, and you're telling stories that make them want to work with you. Hmm.
1: What? How does somebody go from being pushy? Because that's often what you hear. Yeah. I don't like selling. You know, I don't want to be a sale. I don't want to be pushy. Yeah. So right. How do you stop being pushy or even in your own head be perceived as being pushy?
2: Part of what causes people to become pushy is they have a belief that in order for someone to buy from me or hire me, they have to know, like, and trust me. We've heard that phrase a hundred times, but the belief that you have to know me causes me to push out information. Oh, let me send you one more piece of information about me. One more feature I forgot to tell you about. You still not buying or this equipment makes your surgeries go 30% faster it's so logical why aren't you buying push 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 versus let me tell you a story oof i can relax a little bit it might be Very entertaining and the story you. pulls you in instead of pushing out information and you go on the journey and here's my secret closing question jim okay you you told a compelling enough story One of the things you can have in your toolbox is to say to someone, does that sound like the kind of journey you'd like to go on? Oh, my gosh. More people feel so relaxed. It's an invitation. And they're so emotionally engaged in the story, nine times out of ten, they're going to say, yes, it does. That's So
1: so you, if I understood what you just said, do you actually say to somebody, let me tell you a story? You actually say, let me tell you a story. You don't have
2: to be that um, on the nose with it. You say something along the lines of, you remind me of another doctor I worked with at another hospital, and then you start the story. When I give my opening keynotes, I don't say, let me tell you a story. I start telling the story. I do not waste time. And this is a big thing when you're in those presentations and you've been given an hour. Don't open with the cliche, thank you for this opportunity. I'm excited to be here. First of all, it's not about you. No one cares that you're excited. And everybody Mm -hmm. tends to say that, and it's forgettable. Have the confidence to jump right into the story without even saying, let me tell you a story.
1: What's the secret to actually being resilient? I mean, earlier we talked about rejection and things like that. Mm -hmm. You have to be resilient. If you're going to be in sales, you have to be resilient. How does somebody who's not resilient kind of steel themselves up?
2: Well, one of the things when you get rejected is don't take rejection personally, when I was selling advertising, if they said, oh, we're going with a different brand, I thought, oh, maybe another rep could have gotten a yes. Or maybe what I'm selling isn't good. Never reject yourself. And just because you got to know now doesn't mean no forever.
1: Um, I got I got time for maybe one or two more questions. In your first book, Better Selling Through Storytelling, you talked about the three faces of fear. Yes. Can you, can you sure. take 60 seconds or, or two minutes and, and talk about that?
2: The first fear is the fear of rejection. And so, as I said, don't ever reject yourself. The second fear is the fear of failure. And it's just feedback. Don't worry about it. It's just, that didn't work. Let me try something else. And the third fear is the fear of the unknown. And the solution to that is don't go it alone. Get some help. Get people to help you. And when you have all those conquered, you never reject yourself. You're not afraid of failure. And you don't go it alone. You no longer let fear stop you.
1: Very cool. Uh, last question, John. What does a playlist and storytelling have uh, in common?
2: Well, I want people to start thinking of them brain, depending on your age as either a jukebox or a playlist where you push certain buttons and songs come out. In this case, we want to have multiple stories ready to go. We're not telling the same story to everybody. We want customized stories depending on who we're talking to. If you're talking to a doctor, you have a story about a doctor, talking to the CEO of a hospital, you have a story about a CEO of the hospital, et cetera. So multiple stories so that you can push the right button to tell the right story that that person sees himself on and wants to go on the journey with you.
1: Very cool. So um, I used to work with this sales guy, kind of an old school guy. who goes, he called it having arrows in his quiver. <laughs> so yep. that's really old school, but it's kind of like the same thing—having that jukebox stuff yes. with all the right songs. You can hit, you can hit exactly the right one at the right time. Mm-hmm. Really fascinating. So, John, um, I'm sure your books are available on Amazon, or yes. what's what's? How do you want people to connect with you? Are, are you on LinkedIn? Give us I'm all on, on all that board. stuff. Yes,
2: I'm on Instagram at the Pitch Whisper. If anybody wants the free first chapter of the book, all they have to do is text the word PITCH, P-I-T-C-H, to 66866, and you can get a free first chapter and see if it's something you want to buy.
1: 66866, PITCH, or excuse me, uh, just send the word PITCH. Exactly. Got it. Very good, John. Thank you so much. I'm I'm, I'm glad we uh, got our little technical snafu figured Me out too. there. Thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Well, five it.
2: five five that, Jim. <laughs> thank you.
1: High five. Hey, will it really matter in five minutes? No, I'll be on no. to my next call. Exactly. <laughs> hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with John Livasay. I highly recommend his book. The sale is in the tail. I will get that one. I did read his first one. It's awesome. Guy knows what he's talking about. You can connect with me. Oh, let me give uh John said uh six six eight six six. Pitch send the word pitch. Pitch the word pitch. Pit oh good lord. Text the word pitch. Yes. Text the thank you so much. Text the word pitch to six six eight six six. All right, you can connect with me at jimpalmer.com. Get jimpalmer.com. Because if you go to just jimpalmer.com, it's a baseball player formally. You <laughs> get, get jimpalmer.com. If you're interested in dream business mastermind again, that's dreambizcoaching.com. You can get all six of my books for free in digital format at Amazon in terms, in the Kindle books, Barnes and Noble as Nook books and the iBook store. But that's it until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach, and you take good care.